The Daily Maverick Show on cliffcentral.com. Good afternoon. You're tuned to The Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. Just after 1 p.m., I'm here with my, my usual partner in crime, Greg Nicholson. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Kingsley. Um, this is an extra exciting show for me. I know I said I was excited about elections last week, and you and Ranjani looked at me like I was crazy. But there's a there's a really exciting air around la- la- last week's show, this week's show, and just, I'd say, the country in general. Um, we talk a lot about how it's a fairly young democracy, so I think I think that feeds a lot of my excitement, at least, around tomorrow, which is voting for the... For the local government election, so you were just about to say something. No, I think it's these elections have largely been billed as perhaps the most important and perhaps the closest um, since the beginning of democracy. And while that's sort of what the numbers indicate, we're still going to have to wait for the results, obviously, to tell us whether that's true. But considering it looks quite likely that Nelson Mandela, Tuane and Johannesburg could be very tight races... Um, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens and, and watch the results as they start to sort of stream in tomorrow night. I mean, absolutely. I mean, we talked a lot about the polling, um, what are they called? Forecasts, I should say, last week. So we won't go too much into detail on that, but I mean, it was clear that for at least those key, those key metros that it was, it's, it's very close. Um, and it, and, and it, in, in most of them, it wasn't clear that somebody had an outright win. So amongst the three big parties, at least. So there's also a lot of conversation about coalitions and who would, and who would be willing to go into a coalition with who and who wouldn't. Um, and also I think just a big test for the ANC, who I think over the past, you know, couple of elections, local and national, have been able to, to ride the legacy, um, and be able to say, we, we fought for freedom, we gave you freedom, and that was sufficient. And I think now there's a real test around people looking at, at service delivery and even a kin look and saying, yes, yes, we understand that prior, prior to 94, you know, a lot of the, uh, most of the country was disenfranchised and were not anymore. But I think there's an extra level of scrutiny, which I think is really great for the country. I think so. The ANC obviously talks about its service delivery record and and the improvements it has made. But I think you're right. It has come under a lot more scrutiny, particularly not just because of the growing, the sort of you know steady, steady pace of um, growing influence and voice of the Democratic Alliance. But I think also, and, and maybe even more largely so, due to the due to the formation of the Economic Freedom Fighters, who have just I think really come in um, to the political scene in South Africa and thrown down the gauntlet and raised sort of um, raised the heat and level of conversation and and discussions about what works and what doesn't and where do we want this country to go. Okay, so that's really what we're going to be spending the next hour doing. We'll be speaking to the, the three key parties, that's the NC, the EFF, and DA, and posing some questions, especially for undecided voters. Um, so if you know you're going to the voting booth tomorrow and you're not quite sure, we're asking some questions, and please tweet us in any other questions you have. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. If you can tweet us in any questions, if you're listening live, um, and then we can even put them straight to either the ANC, EFF, or DA representatives. And if you want to tweet us some, some questions for other parties, we can also try to find them out throughout the course of the show, or can, we can get some answers over Twitter for you if you like. Absolutely. First off, we'll be speaking to the ANC Gauteng uh, Provincial Executive Committee member uh, and also the Chief Whip of the Gauteng Legislature. That's Brian Klongwa from the ANC. Uh, Brian, can you hear us? Hi. Hi, Brian. Um, so I think my first question is really about um, this, this sort of separation or, 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 or one thing that some voters that we've engaged with are sitting with. Where they look at uh, President Jacob Zuma and, uh, over the past year and they see, they feel a lot of scandal and there's, there's a growing mistrust. 
But at the same time, these are voters who, despite this feeling of, of, of distrust for the president, uh, are still people who, who see themselves as ANC voters and people who are loyal to the ANC. So what do you say to a voter who, who is sitting in this position? They're more open to the provincial or Gauteng ANC, but is sitting with this sort of mistrust of the president. What do you say to that voter? Well, I think what is important for us to bear in mind is that leaders come and go. The ANC has been in existence for 104 years, and we've had leaders of all shapes and sizes coming and going. But the ANC remains. I think what we need to focus on more than anything else is the vision that the ANC has, which continues to inspire millions of people of this country. And I must say, across the color line, across religion, across gender, that ultimately the vision of creating a united, democratic, non-racial and democratic South Africa is an important achievement Mm. for all of us. So we will accept that people might have misgivings about um, this leader or that other leader. But ultimately what matters is the ability of the ANC to continue to bring South Africa together and ensure that we transform our country into a country of our dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something we've seen specifically from the ANC in Gauteng has been, uh, has been sometimes being able to go against sort of what the national party stance and what and what the sort of the national ANC's stance has been on some of these key issues um uh, like in Kandla is that something that we can expect the 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 Gauteng ANC to continue to be able to do to go to sometimes even go against the national party stance where it feels that it's it's unjust right from its inception the ANC dubbed itself as a parliament of the people Gauteng is a very unique province highly urbanized, cosmopolitan, and we as the ANC in this province must continue to represent the wishes and aspirations of our constituency. The ANC is a democratic organization. We lead without fear or favor. We speak our minds, but we are part of the ANC. The ANC is a unitary organization, it's not a federation. So we think that we are acting within the framework of the ANC by speaking our minds, white democratic organization and indeed it's not like we always have it our way but mm. where we feel strongly about issues we continue to raise those issues that resonate with those people that we represent okay um uh, now just turning to much more specific issues i think my first is just um about unemployment i mean it's a can it's an issue that the country um that we speak about quite often and, and jobs is really something that is, is dear to a lot of the population and, and many voters are looking at this. So the unemployment you rate... Are, sorry? You are absolutely correct. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at our province, while Scouting is an economic engine of our country, our contribution to the GDP, as you know, stands at about 35%. Uh, we are, of course, worried by two major things. The first one, the issue of rapid... Uh, migration. A lot of people who live different parts of our country and continent and end up in a place like Gauteng. Mm. If you think about it carefully, I mean, in 1996, we had about close to 2.5 million people who had jobs in Gauteng. Today, 2016, the number has doubled. Why is that number has doubled? Because of immigration. Mm. At that time, Gauteng had about 6 million people, if you recall. As we speak today, that 13.2 million people were residing in Gauteng. So the truth of the matter is, whilst there's been sluggish 
economic growth, but there has been growth in the economy. But it's not keeping up with the population, particularly young people who are out of school or out of work. A number of programs have been developed in Gauteng, mm. as you know, precisely to deal with the issues that they're raising of transformation, modernization, reindustrialization, ensuring that the issue of unemployment, inequality, and poverty is being tackled. I mean, out of 6.1 million registered voters in Gauteng, 2.9 million of them are below the age of 40, and a great number of them need opportunities, and that's why in the first place they migrate to Gauteng, whether it's uh, establishing their own small businesses, getting training, skills development, getting employment, those are real issues. But we have a concrete plan in Gauteng on how to deal with that. For instance, I don't know if you've heard of a program called Chapel 500,000, mm. which is a program designed specifically to create opportunities for young people, either in terms of internships, in terms of helping them link up with businesses. Uh, we, for instance, have taken a policy position in Gauteng that 25% of the budget of this province must be used to stimulate small businesses in township. So you are looking at the whole value chain to say what is it that the government spends its money on. For instance, you have feeding schemes for our children. Where does the food come from? Those children who go to North schools, whose parents can't afford to buy uniform, who is supplying the uniform? The issue of transport. As you know, if you live at the... Uh, well beyond five-kilometer radius, the scholar transport that government provides. So all of these are attempts by government to create opportunities. But the reality of the matter is that 85% of the economy is in private hands. Government acting alone in isolation will not. That's why directly, our premier has various sectors um, of the economy, the manufacturing sector, and partnership with the automotive industry there, where, as you know, BMW and most left-handed uh, vehicles produce from here in Hartley. So together with business, we are able to pull our resources together. We want to continue to invest in our province, but as we do so, let's rework the issue of the economy. Build an economy that is inclusive, that is socially cohesive, that belongs People. So the issue of labor absorption is a big issue. And it's an issue that I think needs a multi-pronged approach and strategy to resolve. But we are convinced that we are on track. I'm sorry to cut your chief whip. Um, I mean, the thing is, and I hear your, 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 your conversation about, or your statement about a lot of the things that are in, 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 in action now and that are plans for the future. But I think a big a big question voters have is really just about transparency. Is that a lot of things are happening? Is a lot of service delivery agreements that are signed, and there's a lot of there's a lot of exchange of goods between between the local government and 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 different service providers. And there's a lot of questions asked about what is what is what is fair, what is linked to corruption, what is wasted. So one thing, one concrete action that we've seen has been requested for some of the parties is is for the is for service delivery agreements and municipal service partnership agreements to be made public. Um, and that, and that, that's something that we would like with the ANC be able to commit to say that in all the places where they govern that these things will be made public to anybody who wants to see them. Absolutely. You'd know that we, um, have taken a bold decision, for instance, on having an open tendering system. 
Now, if you look at the provincial budget, including municipalities, most monies are spent on two items, that's education and health. That's why your big contracts are. So what we are doing in housing to ensure that we remain count- accountable and that we continue to fight corruption, we have introduced the opening tendering system, which is going to improve all departments of government so that people can know who is benefiting, how I arrived at the position that it is company A and not B that is getting the tender. So it is part of what we are doing already. So we're not promising something in for a distant future. It's something that we're doing already. You would note also that we have this time around at this at all our public representatives will have to sign performance agreement with the party in that a social with the electorate to say if we do not meet the set standards, the it of accountability or serving the people in a manner in which we have committed ourselves, that decisive steps will be taken. So the issue of transparency and accountability is a big issue, and we fully support the idea that we need to be transparent in everything that happens. And I think we're leading the way. I mean, I hear you, and I love that you brought up the idea of performance—not the idea, but the the commitment about performance agreements for for the for the for the councillors. Because I mean, one thing that a lot of voters are are, are noting and feeling is that for is there's a there's a strong perception that becoming a councillor is basically access to a political career and a gravy train. Um, I mean, what more? What 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 more can the ANC do to combat corruption at that level, where people are not becoming councillors to serve their communities; they're becoming councillors to start a lifelong political career where they can find ways to, to, to enrich themselves through access to public resources? I mean, you would know that there is absolutely no any other political party whose processes of appointing councillors is as open as the ANC. Unlike the opposition, we do not do private interviews in some corners where no one is watching and no one knows the criteria. With us, firstly, it is your branch that must nominate you and that nomination must be based on the fact that those people know you where you live and that you have demonstrated that you have a commitment and a passion to serve the people. Secondly, whilst the branch of the institute nominates you, you would know as part of our processes, we'll convene public meetings to say these are the people, uh, these are the two, three names, what have you got to say? So communities, even before you get elected, participate in scrutinizing the candidate. But thirdly, of course, the party has a final say that you have a, a track record and that you are reliable and dependable. It's only then that we take a decision to say this is our candidate. So you don't have people who just mushroom from nowhere, which is an important feature of local government. Unlike provincial and national government mm-hmm. where people just vote for a party. In local government, as you know, it, it, it has one element which is constituency-based, where the people directly decide who their local representative would be at the level of the ward. So you have mechanisms in place that ensure that, A, you have committed that at least there will be a public meeting, a report back meeting once a month on progress, on how you are resolving the community issues. And failure to do so will lead you into being recalled by the party. I, I think, I think just as you speak, I, I now am turning, and we've, we're hearing from some of our 
on our, some of our listeners on, on WeChat and on Twitter. And there's a feeling that, that among some people, they, they, they have a deep love for the ANC, but they have this feeling that was echoed by, you know, former President Kalema Motlante that, that the, the party has lost its way. And, and some are even, uh, even following the strategy of follow, of, of voting for opposition parties as a way to wake the ANC up and say, listen, you're not, you're not going to rule until Jesus comes unless you listen to us. So what do you say to those people who love the ANC but, but think that there needs to be a serious wake-up call in terms of listening to its constituents? I think the history of the ANC has been the history of problems identified and problems resolved. Now remember, it is through active participation in the ANC itself that we must be able to tackle these many challenges that faces us, including the issue of credibility, the issue of whether we are still on the same moral uh, sphere with the rest of society. And indeed, when you get a sense that people are saying, we think our party might be going the opposite direction, it is true active participation in the ANC that we must be able to say this far and no more. The ANC policy processes are such that, as you would know, and it's a constitutional issue, for every policy decision to be made, 90% of people who must drive that policy must directly come from branches. So the ANC is not a kind of organization where there's one individual without you. So if you are out of time, like next year we have a conference, delegates will speak up their minds to say, no, we're not happy with this and that. It is our generation um, that must make that decision. As Franz Fanon says, and I quote, that every generation must emerge from its relative obscurity, identify its mission, fulfill it, or betray it. So my message in simple terms is that to all those disgruntled ANC members or supporters, that it is in your hands. The ANC belongs to us. We need to sustain it on the basis of its traditions, of its principles, and its policies. By standing aside, that will not help. If anything, it will speed up the process of detail. So we need to stand up and say this far and no more. And that, that's my belief, and that's my humble opinion. Okay. Thank you, Chief Whip. Thank you for making the time to talk to us. It's a pleasure. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thanks. If you're just tuning in, um, that was us speaking to Brian Klongwa, um, who's a member of the Gauteng Provincial Executive Committee and is a chief whip of the Gauteng Legislature. Of uh, the ANC, representative of the ANC yes, is one key point. That's an, that's an important thing to mention. Um, I mean, Greg, we've actually got national spokesperson for the DA on the line, so I think we just sort of pivot straight to that and then we can have a chat sort of a bit after that. Sounds great. Okay, perfect. If you're just tuning in, we're, t- we're chatting to, to representatives from the, the, the key uh, large parties in the country. That's the ANC, the DA, and the EFF. And just putting you know questions to them that, that we've received from voters ahead of tomorrow. So people who are somewhat undecided before going into the voting booth tomorrow. And we're putting those questions to the key parties to sort of help people who are, who are still uh, undecided about where to cast their ballot tomorrow or, or to which party to cast their ballot for tomorrow. Um, so on the line, we've got the national spokesperson and a member of parliament for the DA, uh, Pumzila Vanda. Uh, Pumzila, can you hear us? Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Um, so I think my first question is that um, the DA uh, often points to the Western Cape and Cape Town uh, as a model sort of DA-run uh, province or city. Uh, but in one actually going there, it feels like the, the inequality and the spatial divides uh, um, are, are so vast that it feels, it feels like a, not a lot has changed from an apartheid era city. And and 
and what what do you say to people who question the DA's um, sort of commitment to actually uplifting the less fortunate based on that 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 situation? Yeah, it's it's not the DA only that says that uh, the Western Cape and uh, city of Cape Town and many other municipalities governed around by the DA around the country are the best run. It's uh, you know there's a stat the stat that say reports that consistently puts the DA top for service delivery, uh, for lowest unemployment, um, and so forth. So we've said that uh, we've done well where we govern, but there's definitely space for more to be done. And, and the DA leader, Musimamane, has put uh, a challenge to uh, incoming mayors to make sure that more is done, particularly for people living in black, Indian, and colored areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my, my my next question sort of just focuses more on 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 the economy and jobs and so on. Um, I mean, so reading the DA manifesto and DA thinking, it sounds like a lot of the plans rest on this assumption that there would be a growing economy. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 we know just looking at you know the current global economic climate, not only local, that I mean a lot of that would be out of out of the government's hands. Um, based on the commodity prices and the global economy. So isn't, isn't this assumption that the economy would be growing really underestimating the, the size of the challenges that would face our, our DA governments across the country? What you've seen in DA governments is that uh, it is possible to make sure that you uh, create a municipality that creates jobs by making sure that uh, you create conditions that are right for business to come set up in your municipality. Uh, what we did in uh, Midvale, for example, uh, we attracted a lot of businesses, so Ferro, Rocher, Heineken, and other big factories have come set up in those municipalities and created jobs. And very little municipalities can do in terms of the broader global economy, but you can definitely make sure that you have a municipality that has uh, the right conditions for businesses to come and set up. And uh, we also place a lot of emphasis on providing uh, support for graduates. So there's internship opportunities, we provide bursaries, um, and, 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 and so forth. And you think that's possible, um, even 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 though the significant significant national challenges the country is facing, you still think it's possible to, at a provincial Absolutely. level, um, attract that kind yeah, of investment. Uh, the city of Cape Town has the lowest unemployment rate for the metros. Midvale, a small municipality in Gauteng, which we also govern, had, has the lowest unemployment rate in Gauteng. So we've definitely proven that we govern. Uh, you know, you can put the right conditions in, in place to make sure that you have municipalities that are creating jobs. Okay, uh, I mean, just pivoting to the the, the big question around um, coalitions. Uh, I mean, looking at some of the, the 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 projections of different of different areas, and especially the three key metros in Gauteng, Tuane, and Nelson Mandela Bay. Um, it looks like there's going to have to be a possibility for the DA and the EFF, especially with some of the smaller parties, to consider forming coalitions to, you know, to take to take the election. Um, now, now, not, now, pardon. Yeah, um, we're not going into this election with intention to lose. Uh, it's full intention. Uh, to win with outright majority so we don't have to consider coalitions. But I mean, if that does happen once the votes have been counted, we'll cross the bridge once we get to it. Right now, our attention is 100% focused on uh, turning out voters uh, in, those, in our municipalities in order to make sure that we have uh, the requisite majority. I mean, surely there has to be some internal thinking about sort of some if and when, some if and when sort of analysis and scenario planning where the DA would have to consider potentially a coalition with the EFF, UDM, COPE, and so on. And those are parties that have very different values than the, than the DA, especially on something like a free market economy. I mean, if, 
Yeah, if we do have to consider coalitions, I mean, there's a couple of core principles that we will not compromise on, core principles uh, such as, you know, uh, no, no corruption, um, honest governments, and, and, and those core type of principles that we will not compromise on. But I mean, like I said, we're not at all discussing coalitions at this stage. Really, it's the attention of the party, 100% focused on making sure that we uh, win outright majorities. Nobody goes into battle with intention to lose. We fully intend on winning. I mean, so what do you say to a voter who's considering voting for the for the DA in, in, in their local area, but is worried that they could end up being a coalition at the end with a party uh, that 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 the voter doesn't feel aligns with their with with their own values? We absolutely say to our voters, please, every single one of you must turn up and vote on election day. Vote uh, to make sure that we get those outright majorities, so we do not have to consider coalitions. But uh, if we do have to consider coalitions, it will be something done after the votes have been counted. Uh, I mean, next, just turning to some of the people actually on the lists. Um, um, so, so some people have pointed to specific people like Herman Mashaba, Khaleb Kachalia, and uh, and are saying that it looks like the DA is trying to get big names and, and, and non-white faces in a lot of positions. But there's questions around the credentials um, of of some of these members being able to actually run the areas that they're, that they're being that they're being put forward to run. So is there is there a trade-off that the DA is making that, that we want to have sort of visible Absolutely. people, non-white names, famous people that, that perhaps are not the most qualified for the job? Well, I mean, the assumption that because someone's famous or someone uh, who is uh, not a white person can't automatically assume that a trade-off is being made. Uh, we'll absolutely make sure that we have the best candidates, we feel the best candidates in all our municipalities. And the DA candidates go through stringent uh, interview process, you have to write lots of tests. Um, so we really, really absolutely make sure it's the best possible candidate. And we're not uh, just putting people in places because of their skin color or how famous they are. Okay. Uh, uh, there's also been just some questions around about around gender representation. And looking at the IEC data, only just over 30% of DA's lists are, are composed of women. Um, I mean, I mean, some voters would be a bit concerned and saying, "Is this party really taking gender equality seriously? And 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 is it actually putting forward a, a list that are representative of the country?" What's your response to that? When we think of representativity and uh, diversity, we don't only think in terms of race or gender. Uh, we think of we think broadly. So if you look at our list, you'll see that there's a lot of young people. There's a lot of diversity. So we don't uh, put uh, strict quotas on the type of people that we put on our list is quality people. We do consider diversity by diversity on different terms, not on strict uh, only gender or race. We consider all sorts of things. Okay, uh, I think Onzili, one of my final questions is just around strategy. So this has actually come through WeChat. It's from someone called Temba, Temba Yena. And, 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 and his or her question is about is about strategy, and they talk about specifically the, the calls the DA has been making to different people, and I'm also going to squeeze in the use of the sort of sort of Mandela's voice and Mandela's legacy. Um, are there internal conversations about strategic uh, decisions that were made during the campaign, and how perhaps some of those may have actually backfired and, and actually rubbed some potential voters the wrong way? Okay, sorry, I didn't catch the first part of the question. Sorry, so the, about what? That's about what the question is number one around the vote, the the, the calls, the the calls that the the, the yes. DA has been making, and the second is about the use of Mandela's voice and his legacy as sort of a, a DA well, campaign. Well, calling, tool. Um, it's election season, yeah. and that's what parties do with campaigns. 
the reception from voters has been largely positive from our call, a lot of calls and our SMSs and our emailers. And that's what happens during campaigning. You canvass voters. And those that didn't want to be canvassed have said they don't want to be canvassed. And, uh, you know, we stop canvassing them. But that's what happens during election season. All parties canvass voters. And about Mandela, he's not only a national, but a global icon. Uh, people from different political and different cultural, different countries, uh, you know, admire his values. And as a Democratic Alliance, we also admire his values that Nelson Mandela stood for. And we actually are the only party that continues uh, to further those values. Jacob Zuma's ANC has long abandoned Nelson Mandela. And we're quite right to point out that we are the only party that's uh, still furthering those values. Okay, Temba, who, who wrote us in, uh, there's your answer. Uh, Bumzila, that's actually it from us. Thank you for making the time to chat to us. Cool, all right, thank you. Okay, perfect. I know you've got okay, a flight bye. to catch. Cheers. Thanks, bye. Okay. Um, if you're just tuning in, as mentioned, we are speaking to the sort of the three key parties. Just spoken to the the, the the ANC. We spoke to the the chief whip of the of the Gauteng legislature of the ANC, Brian Hlongwa, and we just got off the phone with Pumzile Van Dam, the national spokesperson for the DA. Uh, we're just going to go into a quick break, and then we'll be right after that. Some conversation between me and Greg around sort of what that feedback is, and then perhaps some light analysis about some 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 things perhaps to keep in mind before you vote tomorrow. And also, lastly, just some of the technicalities from the IEC about what you need to take over to vote, where to vote, and so on. Stay informed and up to date. It's the Daily Maverick Show, Tuesdays, 1 to 2 p.m. on cliffcentral.com. Back with us on the Daily Maverick Show on Cliff Central. Um, today we're just focusing on, on the local government elections. Tomorrow's voting day. Some people have actually cast votes. Greg might tell us a bit about that. Some special votes were actually cast yesterday, uh, for certain people who registered for that. Uh, but tomorrow's the big day for the, for the general sort of populace. We go to the voting, voting booth tomorrow. And a lot of people are feeling undecided. Either, either I, 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 I firmly voted for party X and I'm not sure if I still want to, or I'm just not sure who deserves my vote. So we're just chatting to the three big parties or representatives from them, the ANC, the DA and the EFF, and posing sort of those, those last sort of buzzer beater final questions before tomorrow that might help, may help some people decide. Um, so it was really interesting speaking to Chief Whip of the, of the, of the Gauteng, uh, provincial Gauteng legislature, Brian Klongo, and just seeing for me what came through there. And it's something Greg and I have spoken about, about the executive mayor Park Stau. It's just what experience looks like and feels like, especially with Gauteng, of people who know details of different cities better than anyone else, people who can speak to such specific things around things like the corridors of freedom and, and, and all what job creation looks like at a local level. And 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 I think for a lot of people, especially in Gauteng, that's going to be a big draw card of, of seeing detailed experience and seeing expertise really is probably the better looking at it. And it's sort of that, 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 techno, that sort of technocrat vibe of, of what happens past the politics, past the promises, when people are actually trying to do that sort of the dirty work of, 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 of running, of running our local municipalities. Uh, Greg, I know you spoke with Executive Mayor. I think it was late last week, if not over the mm. weekend. And 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 I know chatting to you, it seems like you got that 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 energy from him and that and that sort of feel from him. Yeah, I think I think it's common for um, many people to underestimate certain ANC leaders. Um, Vast experience and knowledge of, of, of government and running a lot of things where the media and, and the public don't focus on, you know, the small details and the, and the plans and policy changes often so deeply. And Park Dow is, Mayor Park Dow is definitely a, um, a man who knows a lot about policy and government and 
urban systems and the direction as to where he wants to take this city um, to go. And I think he's, he's quite an impressive character. I think the question but for a lot of voters will be asking themselves is, Sure, there are such guys, um, and, and there are, of course, in government and, and, and within the ANC, yeah. um, people who are experts on all sorts of issues. The question is, how far, uh, across the party does that run? Um, what commitment to implementation does the party have when it often has conflicting in- interests? Um, and, and is the ANC and its, and its leaders still the, the party to back for, for running municipalities when, you know, they've been running the municipalities generally, or most of them since democracy. And I think, I think that issue of the, what we put to, to, to Brian, the sort of, the, 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 a lot of people's sentiment around the president versus their feeling, uh, about the party. I think mm. that, that sort of internal discomfort is going to be a really big one of saying perhaps I mistrust, I have misgivings. I think was the word he used. I used mistrust, misgivings around the, 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 the leadership of the president, the integrity of the president. But, but I have faith in the ANC's vision and the ANC's history. And I think, I think that's really just going to be the big one of, of how, of can you have faith that the party is stronger than one individual, even if that individual is the, is the party leader? I suppose that's a big question. I think so. I think the ANC obviously has always had such lines and it's one of the core party values or the, one of the sort of slogans that it often uses. I think the key challenge in this election is that it has two stronger alternatives than perhaps ever before. Um, the DA has really, I think, publicly changed its brand and its image and has been working against this idea that it's a white party that might bring apartheid back. Um and and it's steadily been increasing its its supporter base. So you know the DA is likely to, and and it's also been really trumping up its service delivery record. Mm. So the DA I think is likely to uh, be quite a strong force. And then of course we also have the economic freedom fighters, um, who you know come and uh, former ANC youth leaguer is running and uh, youth league leader, excuse me, <laughs> is running. And and he also Julius Malema and the EFF are putting across and. A vision and policies that I think many people or a large portion, a segment of the population would have liked to see implemented in the past, but were neglected in, in, in favor of the direction that we've taken. And so that's also, I think, quite favored from a lot of voters. And so I think, yes, the ANC can say it's about the party and it's, you know, it's bigger than one man. Presidents come and go, but we always, the ANC will always be here and we always have our values that we're committed to. And, I think in these elections, I think that's much likely more to be challenged because that idea, that idea doesn't hold as strongly, I don't think, when you've got alternative parties offering a different vision and different and way. Now, not perhaps in the future. Mm. Like, and I think, yeah, I mean, I love that you spoke about sort of the, the things that the EFF was put on the table. I mean, we can't underestimate the, the, the effect of the EFF, especially on the land question and, and pushing other parties to have to have sort of concrete or attempt to have concrete mm. positions I, I on also land think, reform. I also think on, so the EFF is clearly pushing the land yeah. uh, land issues you know, at the forefront of its agenda. But also I think what the EFF has done is they're not afraid to say, and they say it regularly and they repeat <laughs> it again and again, that black South Africans are still largely living in um, unequal conditions and often, often terrible conditions. Yeah. And, and, Often sort of the, the expected fruits of democracy haven't necessarily been delivered under the current, current party governments. And they're really pointing that out. And that sort of, I think, changed, um, the narrative of these elections because 
it's it's hard now for for either the DA in Cape Town or the ANC, you know, across most of the, the rest of the country, to sort of say we're slowly getting there, we're slowly moving, where you know things aren't aren't as good as we hoped they were. There's a lot more work to be done, but we've done a lot so far, and invest in us, and we'll keep it going. Because I think the EFF's saying no, it's time we have these things now. People should not be living like this. We're going to, we're going to deliver them dignity, basically. And I think that's that, that's why this makes this election uh, one of the reasons it's so interesting for me is definitely with regards to the EFF. I mean, it's it's easy to I mean, easy is not the right word, but it's one thing to be outside of state machinery and say this is not okay. This is and with much stronger language, but saying this is unacceptable mm. that in 2016 people are still living like this. But the question is. How do they hold up when it actually comes down to governing? So, I mean, the ANC has a track record. The DA, as you mentioned, is racking up their track record. We don't know if the EFF can govern. And we've looked at the manifesto, and, and once we actually get them on the line, which we're working on, and, I mean, we've looked at it, uh, uh, Daily Maverick journalist Richard Poplack has spent a lot of time analyzing it, and, and the consistent feedback is a lot of these things sound very pie in the sky. They sound great, but w- number one, where are you going to find the people to run this this, this, these areas. And number two, where you're going to get the money. The economy is tough. And if you're trying to completely revamp all these municipalities and, and pull up all these 24 hour clinics and all these, all these things and places with, uh, and abattoirs and all these things, it's, 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 it sounds great, but it's a lot of people, myself included, really, really doubt whether these things are possible. And then secondly, if the EFF is winning very few, few, Metros outright, or very few municipalities outright. What does it look like when they're only 10, 10%, 10%, 5%, 20%? And going into a coalition, how do they represent things like one, a complete turnaround of how metros are governed, or two, things like, um, you know, land reform, which don't really make too much sense in, in a local, in a local setting. They still have to implement one, the ruling party's policies, and number two, if they're in a coalition, they still have to they still have to work within that coalition. So mm. there's a lot of big questions for mm. the EFF, I think. No, I think so. I think there's there's a lot of stuff in their in their manifesto that, you know, on the on the surface it doesn't sound feasible. Although you know it's great for Julius Malema to say um, we're going to give everybody dignified housing and and not just your not just your um, you know your basic RDP sort of house. That's fantastic, but sort of the finances of that, changing the systems around that, how do you do that as well as well when you're looking at if we take Johannesburg, for example, a city that needs to change its sort of spatial layout yeah. and you know um it's not as simple as we're going to give you better houses now. It's sort of about where are we going to build these houses, how are we going to make this city work better, how are we going to get past the the structural and spatial injustices of the past, which come down to a lot of sort of minute details, but I think. I think it's not, that's not really the key issue with the EFF, because it seems fairly unlikely though, without, they might, they could win, win sort of, um, something up in Limpopo, I think, but, yeah. you know, it seems extremely unlikely that they'll, they'll take a majority or, or be a dominating, um, partner in a co- coalition. Um, but I think the key issue is these, that they've put the problems on the table. Um, they've talked about, you know, they're the guys who are raising the stuff that, you know, other people aren't raising and or nowhere near as strongly. Um, and they put the problems on the table and they're, they're put, obviously put their hands up as saying, we can fix this. We can change this stuff. And while doing that, and then at the same time, um, sort of stunts like we saw yesterday with, uh, the, the EFF leaders. I mean, I want to hear about this. You were there. I mean, <laughs> I, when I saw the picture of former President Tabombeki with Julius Malema, like I, 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 I was thinking, is this Photoshop? Is this like an old picture, but he's wearing an EFF jacket? Like what on earth is happening? Yeah. So that's done where, where the EFF leadership went to former President Tabombeki's house. 
I think that was genius, you know, a genius political was that stunt. Two, three days before the election. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Right. That's right. It's incredible. So I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if they would have planned that for a while. Oh, I don't absolutely. think I don't think Mbeki would have been involved in the planning and for 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 knowledge of that. But I think it was extremely clever because everybody knows about the history of animosity between Dabo Mbeki and Julius Malema, even yep. though Malema has later apologized and whatnot. But I think BFF knew that that would be a huge media spectacle. And with Dubbo and Becky, both, so, so I can tell you what happened when I was there. Yeah. We, we got there, they, uh, you know, um, the former president's security detail had us sort of waiting, the media guys waiting in up the top of the driveway. And, you know, you were just wondering, is, is Mbeki going to come out in a red beret, like smoking a pipe? Like what's going to, this could just be crazy. Like, is he, you know, just what is going to happen yeah. here? We don't know. Yeah. Um, and then at some point the security guys say, call, call us down to the house. And so sort of in the, in the car parks, uh, just outside Mbeki's house, um, the EFF leaders walk out with Mbeki also there and Mbeki didn't say anything to the media. But he, he sort of embraced all the, and, and shook hands with all the different, different EFF leaders, um, in front of us and, and allowing us to take pictures. Then he went back inside. And so the EFF were there canvassing his vote. Um, that's the idea, like it was any other door to door campaign. Mm. Um, but what I found fascinating is that Double and Becky decided to come out for a picture. I don't think he had to do that. No, definitely not. And so those photographs I took of, of them together, I was just shocked, you know, I didn't think, because it does, obviously it will create this impression that, that it's either a slate of hand towards the, the current ANC leadership, including mm. President Jacob Zuma, um, that subtly maybe he supports such, such, maybe not the AFF's policies, but ideas of significant change. Yep. Um, and then of course the ANC went, you know, was a little bit, Caught on the back foot, I think I'd say, and decided to send three of its mayoral candidates there this morning. I think they were there today, right? Yeah. Well, they were supposed to be there, but only one turned up. Jeez. So, again, Parks Dow. Ever reliable. <laughs> so, so Parks Dow turned up with the the ward candidate for for where Mbeki lives in Kalani, and um, the other, I think, I think the Ekoholeni um, ANC candidate, candidate Mswandile Messina, and the Tswane candidate um, Tokotidiza. Did not turn up, and I think um, Becky's people said it was, or Becky said it was because they had some sort of um, last-minute campaigning to do all of a sudden. But it just looks, the whole thing looks strange, you know. You see, Parks Tower has already gone to visit him before, so mm. that's not that weird. But then Toko Dediza and Muswandila um, Messina, I think that might have created a different impression if they even were even if seen. just for the photo op. Like I mean, it's not about the conversation as much as it is about to, as long as you can appear. Well, I think that's, that support, but I think that's right? also one of the yeah. challenges because it also goes back to ANC internal politics. Yeah. You know, I think I saw Julius Malema again, you know, who, whether he has knowledge or is just making this stuff up, um, but a lot of people think it, tweeted that, um, uh, that candidates aren't going to go because national leadership intervened. And then the idea behind that would be because of the, you know, the differences between Mbeki and, and Zuma and, you know, the whole thing well, is just. That's such a beautiful rumor because there's just enough there for it mm. to be credible, but the, no one knows if it's, that's, that's a beautiful right. There's rumor. so much, there's yeah. so much dancing around this issue <laughs> that, but anyway, I think okay. it's fascinating with these, all these, all these sort of last minute, um, campaigning, political maneuvering, um, like everything going on. It's just, it's at the moment, it's sort of a little bit crazy. And I think we're just going to have to wait, wait to get the results. And 
I mean, absolutely. I mean, uh, we would, we, we had planned to get the national spokesperson, we said in Lozi from the EFF on the line, but we've been informed that he's in a meeting and everybody else who could replace him is in a meeting. So if, unless we're being, unless we're being lied to, um, all the entire sort of EFF senior leadership is in, is in one meeting. Maybe they're with Halema Motlante now. <laughs> And, and, and Tabombeki and the Mandela's legacy all in one place for the photo. Um, so unfortunately we couldn't get through to them. I mean, feel free to tweet them. I mean, my big questions were really just about one, the manifesto, how workable is it? Number two, what do their core principles look like at a local level? Because they're quite sort of difficult, um, to implement at that level. And then it would just be about coalitions. What does it look like when the DA with, uh, with their sort of free market principles and, a, and an EFF with their very strong principles on things like land reform? What does that coalition look like? Is it something they're thinking about or debating? So for me, those would be really my, my key questions. And so, you know, feel free to just challenge them on Twitter and we'll see if we can get a hold of them and tweet, you know, what we hear. In terms of tomorrow, if you're still wondering what's going on, um, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. is voting times. Um, if you're unsure of where you're registered to vote, you can SMS your ID number to 32810. Um, and it's it immediately, it's not immediately, but within a minute or two sort of sends back where you're registered to vote if there's any questions around that. And the, and the IEC website has been incredibly informative in terms of not only what to do tomorrow, but also in terms of what is this election about so who what who's on the ward list who's on the on the uh, proportional representative list and things like that that are not sort of straightforward for everybody um so you know best of luck tomorrow exercising your civic duty um and we hope we've been able to provide some insight and at the very least i hope we haven't made your sort of decision less clear <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in from greg and i it's a massive thank you for your support and for your tweets and so on um we'll see you next week same time same place thank you The Daily Maverick Show on cliffcentral.com.